welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessica Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah and not Chelsea Ollie, but Manchester City Ollie. Ollie is a writer, podcaster and Manchester City fan. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. Uh, glad to be getting to talk about our women's team instead of, you know, mostly the men's, which we do a lot in the City podcast world. We don't have many people bigging up um, our, our women's team, but um, always good to talk about them. Thank you for joining us. Obviously, the reason we have got Oli on is because Chelsea are, for the second year in a row, playing Manchester City in the second game of the season. We are heading away this time to the newly named Joy Stadium. So we're going to do a little bit of a preview today. But Oli, I guess I just want to start off by asking you... What has been sort of your perception of where City are right now? I feel like generally in the media, in the Twitter sphere, whatever you kind of dip your toe in, people are quite negative about City. Um, They seem to have been one of the teams to have really lost out to the Aston Villa hype machine, which isn't something I'd have thought I'd be saying um a year ago but <laughs> from from your perspective where do you sort of see the team as they are right now um i think a lot of people's opinions on city still come from last year and the massive rebuild they had to do last summer um i think we went into that season i've never known a season where expectations have been lower since i started following the women's team um coming into that but this year there, i think there is a bit more optimism because we've seen that okay we can we can get through a season and do pretty well without the likes of kira walsh georgia stanway all those guys and you know some of the new signings that came in last year dana castellanos obviously bunny shaw stepping up in a, in, a, in an amazing fashion has really helped kind of bring expectations forward uh, coming into this year, for me, I look at it more as a kind of, okay, I don't think we're going to be in the title race. Obviously, you know, the WSL, anything can happen. Um, but if this can be a year of progression where we see less reliance on, you know, that as amazing as the front three is, you know, I, I want to see more starts for Mary Fowler. I want to see um, people like Esme Morgan getting a few more goes in the team in defence, um, you know, a bit more development in the midfield, especially with Jill Rod coming in. So it's quite optimism, a good start against West Ham, but um, a Chelsea game, you know, if it's, it's it's almost if we win this, then it's absolutely okay, here we go. We might actually have a shot this season, but if if it doesn't go our way, then it's a bit, you know, back to expectations and let's, let's see if we can get that third spot locked up. Yeah, it's interesting, obviously, I guess City coming into the season, Abdullah, as being the team who finished off in fourth place, albeit on goal difference but quite a significant goal difference and people have maybe overlooked them as well because they've had a very quiet summer window right so only Jill Rod came in um, for quite a big fee but only Hayley Rasso left and then you've also got Jess Park and Ruby Mace returning from from various loans too where do you see Abdullah City in in the grand scheme of things right now are you also like because I feel like I'm generally more wary of City than maybe some people seem to be no I, I'm agree I'm, I'm in your camp as well I, I actually do think that City have a team that's capable of challenging for the top they, they obviously haven't done it you know we've talked about some of the limitations from a tactical perspective kind of all of last season and you know it, it felt very one-dimensional and for me that's going to be the biggest thing for City going forward is if they can if they can if they can fix that because I think from a from a squad perspective you look at the players that they have Chloe Kelly Lauren Hemp Mary Fowler Dana Castellanos Lai Alexandri I mean you've got players there that are some sort of some that players could start for the likes of a Barcelona Chelsea etc etc right and uh, it's just that they haven't been able to gel together in a tactically cohe- you know, cohesive way. Um, I am wary of City because I feel like this is the kind of team now, especially with the fact that they only brought in Joe Ward, really, and the rest came back from loan and they sold Hayley Rasso, that they've got a bit more of a settled team than anybody else just because everybody's played with each other for a season. And to me, I think that's a, that's a major advantage because I think they did a lot of a rebuild last year. They got a lot of players. And the fact that they didn't add too many this year, I think is a good thing. Um, and I feel like they're a team that could click at any moment, like, you know, next week or, or sorry, this week or the next few games could be, there could be just one game where they 
instantly just click and they and they have like a big three nil four nil win and suddenly they're like okay we have something going here and that momentum builds because you can't have a team like this and not um and not eventually click i mean there's too many good players there for me to sit down and say no nah, they're not gonna they're not gonna be consistent enough to uh to, to, to do it especially when you have a clinical striker like bunny shaw um it's you know it's you've, you've got they've got that spine there that i think is 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 really really good it's going to be really funny because I think if City do do well this season, suddenly next summer we'll see a big sort of trend in being like, you shouldn't sign anyone, you should keep your team. You know, everyone will move away from this idea of like, oh, you've got to have these big fancy signings in order to, to keep the ball rolling. Um, but I've done a touch on it there, Ollie. I guess the sort of um, tactical sophistication, maybe we should say, of Manchester City is something that's always, or recent in recent years at least, been seen as being quite lacking because of Gareth Taylor, pretty much. Um, he did get this contract extension at the end of last season, which lots of people were surprised by, given how kind of disappointing City season ended up being. Where do you sort of stand on Taylor and his role in this team? Um, yeah, I, I guess in, in a tactical sense and just more generally. Yeah, I mean, I was someone who's disappointed to see Nick Cushing leave in the first place. Uh, what was it two, three years ago now? And Gareth Taylor, he'd done wonders in the in the boys' academy. Um, so for all intents and purposes, we as we City fans who follow the club at every level knew he was a decent coach, but it just didn't click for him. And obviously, there was tensions with players, and that put and, that, and I think that put a sore, a sour taste in everyone in a lot of people's mouths at City around, or fans wise at least, around him. Because you can't see so many of those top stars leave, um, and you know clearly not being happy with the positions they were being played in or not being played in at all. You know, Janine Becky comes to mind, for example, and you know it just takes one look at her Twitter page to see how much of a big City fan she still is, really. Um, so there's a lot of that, and yeah, I do I do feel he's quite a limited manager. He's someone who's came through this system at City where it's all about the same tactics, and you know. Not everyone is Pep Guardiola, and you can see that influence comes right through the club, right through the women's team. It's been the way it's, it's been the it's the way it's been since he arrived. He's a totemic fi figure of that club, and for me, I've always felt that you know we have this elite manager on the men's side, but we keep giving the women's side. We we sign all these elite players, we develop these elite players, and then we give them substandard manager almost. You know, Gareth Saylor had no experience in the women's game. And I've got no problem with it if it works. But, you know, it's been two or three years. I don't know what he did to deserve that extension. Um, you know, for all intents and any season where Manchester City aren't in the Champions League is a complete failure for me. Um, that's the level of this club. That's what the level of this club should be. Um, so it's a long it's a long road back. You know, a point of bringing a director of football in Niels Nilsson is a good step. But um for all the good work on the pitch that we see City do, you know, bringing in great young players like Leah Alexandra, who's an incredibly exciting talent, one of my favourite players to watch in this side. She's so tactically versatile. You know, how they could, you know, bringing in the inverted fullback, which, you know, is a trend at the moment, but, you know, City have do, do it so well on, you know, both in both the men's and women's game. You know, we've got a brilliant front three in Kelly, Hemp and Shaw. Um, and then, you know, you've got Mary Fowler on the bench, who starred for Australia at the Women's World Cup. It's just it just feels a little bit disappointing when you know the manager just doesn't seem to be at the same level of his players, and the moment there's any discontent, he kind of kicks them to the side and puts them out the door. Um, you know, if it was up to me, you know, we'd have a top coach in. You know, George Stanway would still be here, Kira Walsh would still be here, and we'd look a bit more competitive. But you know, it's not the way football always works. But um, I think this is going to be a real tough season for him. I, I don't think he can afford to fail again. I don't think you know we can afford to have another season at the Champions League. Um, but whether the club will do anything about it, that remains to be seen. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, definitely, because I feel like, as you've kind of touched on there, that City clearly have people in and around the club who know what they're doing because the recruitment is something that I can think is consistently, you know, very, very good in terms of the profiles of player they pick up, um, identifying younger players, um, being willing to spend money on, on players, you know, like even with the the Kira Walsh decision being happy to go out and be like, okay, we're going to get Hasegawa and she's been like a fantastic success. They've clearly identified Jill Rod and we're like, this is the piece we need and we will just pay to get her out of Wolfsburg. Um, it, it's just bizarre really in some ways that they're on that kind of side of things seems to be a lot of 
you know, focus and dedication and the things that matter. But then it's almost like that they never then watch what happens in the in the season. They just like turn up in the summer, buy good players, and then never see them again. Um, but yeah, I think this will be. I I agree. I feel like it seems impossible for for Taylor to survive this season going badly again. And then I guess this game against Chelsea will be a sort of early indicator of of where the team is. Uh, we'll take a quick ad break here and then when we come back we'll have a bit of a chat about how City played in their first game of the season. There is no I in team but there is one in Indeed and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because well candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role, the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com forward slash Blue Wire Sports. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com forward slash Blue Wire Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I am going to start off by caveating this section with West Ham tax. I think West Ham might get relegated this season. I think they're going to be really, really bad. It was quite a nice game, I think, for City to start off with. But that being said, they won 2-0. Goals from Lauren Hemp and Jill Rawds. And they did a load of really interesting things tactically, I think, in this game that I think are worth unpacking in terms of sort of assessing how we think they might do against Chelsea. Um, I'll just run through the lineup quickly. So there was Kiara Keating in goal, Alex Greenwood and Alana Kennedy, um, with Lelo Wahabi and Lai Alexandri behind them in a, in a back four. Yui Hasegawa, Jill Rod, and Dana Castellanos made up the midfield. Mary Fowler, Lauren Hemp, and Chloe Kelly were the front three. Nobody sure available who who had picked up an injury. But Ollie, I've got to start with asking about Kiara Keating in goal. Can light be shed upon this? I wish I knew. You know, what, what was it? <laughs> it's worth three days past. I, I still have no idea why Ellie Roebuck didn't start because she was on the bench. Because that was my initial thought when I saw her. I was like, oh, is, oh, is Ellie injured? And then saw her named as a substitute. And I was like, such a strange decision. I mean, I think th- I'm pretty, I think I'm right in saying he's done it before. He's rotated the keepers before. Um, but it, I don't understand it. You know, Ellie Roebuck is, a, is an international standard keeper. Kiara Keating, I, I, you know, I love her to bits, homegrown player, you know, you know, but she spent, you know, I think eight games last season out on loan at Gloucester City, I want to say. You know, I'm not, qu- I'm not quite sure she's ready to be a starter for City. Um, and I think Ellie Roebuck will have been pretty livid at the decision, if anything. Uh, a very rogue choice, for sure. Ro- very, very rogue. Yeah, something that'll be really interesting to see if it is continued. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure exactly what was, was going on there, whether that was like a tactical decision or whether it was just sort of personnel or fitness issue. Uh, I guess the other interesting thing to talk about in terms of uh, selection decisions was with Bunny Shaw unavailable, Mary Fowler started, but Mary Fowler didn't start as the nine. She actually played out wide for the majority of this match, they did interchange. This was one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting that I wondered if City almost looked better without having Bunny Shaw as this, like, figurehead. Um, but Lauren Hemp was used as a nine, kind of, you know, I guess off the back of a uh, summer with England where she played in a front two with Russo. Um, what do you make of that kind of use of Fowler um, and sort of reconfiguring the the attacking front line in that way? Because it... If you just looked at the lineup, it's not how you would have thought it would play out. Yeah, I know. I agree. And um, I actually found it quite interesting because uh, when I saw Mary Fowler on the left, I, I think I watched some of the highlights. I watched about the first 15 minutes of the game uh, on, uh, on, on on back. And I found it really interesting that they, for me, it just screamed a lineup that wanted to just congest the, the middle. And they were doing it in this weird inverted way where... Dana, they're playing in a midfield in a 4-3-3. They're playing with Ward and Cassianos. Essentially, we're playing two tens, right? You're playing them up front. You're playing Hasegawa as your only six. 
If you have Laya coming in to kind of support Hasegawa as a double six, so you've got your back three, uh, so you've got your back two actually in Kennedy and Greenwood. Alexandri moves up in a two next to Hasegawa. Layla has the entire flank on her own because then Mary wants to come inside and play next to Lauren Hamiel, playing with two strikers. It's a weird like two, 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 three off, you know, in, in attack formation. And um, I found it very interesting because I feel like a lot of teams want to build out to the middle and City have just taken it to another level of, okay, we want to really congest the middle, not just from from from, from the front, but we want the middle and we want the, the, the bottom congested. And I know, again, like you said, I know it's West Ham, but for those first 15 minutes, I felt like they were actually finding space and nobody was running into each other. I didn't feel like everyone's t- going on their toes. Like I felt, I felt like Castellanos, I thought was really good in those first 15 minutes. I, I actually really like her as a player and I was, I was... Surprised to not see her as many get it as many games last year, um, but this game I felt like she was controlling that right space, kind of coming inside, going outside, being that link player between defense and attack, and and allowing Alexandria to kind of come in and kind of roaming up and down on that right side. It's similar to, in in a weird way, similar to the way Aitana plays for for Barcelona in terms of she controls that right half space. That entire top to bottom is her her flank, uh, within you know just out just on the inside. And I felt like Cassianos did a very, very similar role. Jill Roard kind of coming inside, really playing as a a 10 off, off Hemp and then Mary Fowler coming in as uh, as a 10. And, and obviously Leila Hwabi loves that um, loves that free flank down the left. Um, so I felt like it was a very interesting and new tactic that they're trying, um, you know, and, and it kind of gave Kelly in a weird way the freedom to kind of play how she wanted to on the right-hand side with these fixed roles. So... Um, yeah, it was interesting. I I, I kind of liked Fowler off the left, kind of coming inside. But yeah, the overall tactics of 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 City were felt felt quite refreshingly new. Yeah, and Oli, we we saw that some of the inverting fullbacks last season, but not really to this extent. Or I certainly don't. Maybe you can correct me. Recall both fullbacks inverting based on sort of centre back triggers I know it's something that Laya was doing quite a lot when when she was playing at left back um but it was kind of interesting to see them almost take turns doing it based on where possession went based on where they were building up from um to me it felt very extreme in a way that you could get away with because you're playing West Ham do you think this was like a great opportunity sort of to try it out and in a game where you knew you were probably going to get good chances and we might not see it this extreme or do you feel like this is kind of like locked in we're going to see this a lot like them both inverting from both sides with the asterisk that obviously Layla now isn't available for the next couple of games yeah, I mean, I mean, that's obviously going to influence things um, depend, depending on what he does. I think if Leia goes over to left-back, like we saw last season, I think we'll probably see her continue to do that, in, to invert from that side. Um, and then, you know, if you bring in someone like Esme Morgan on the right, um, then she plays more as a traditional kind of defender. Um, she's got enough talent on the ball to be able to come inside, but I don't think it would be as extreme. Um, but in terms of if this was the choice back four for the season, everyone available, everyone fit, then um, maybe, but I think I just I just look and I see the teams that, and I see the teams who you would think are above us. So Chelsea, for example, perfect example with this game coming right up. I see that and I and all I can envision is you know Frank Kirby or Sam Sam Kerr running into those spaces, fi- finding the spaces and scoring. Um, so it, it feels a little bit naive. Um, maybe Gareth Taylor's had an awakening and decided I'm not going I'm, I'm not going to be as stoic in my ideas and I'm going to actually try and change things up game by game here um, and try new things, try different things, you know. So I, I hope I hope it's not locked in because I just can see problems with it down the line. But in a game like this one, yeah, against West Ham, they're not the strongest of teams. I don't want to call it a free hit, but it almost feels like that because there's enough players on in, in City side there to get the win regardless. And, you know, even when we went down to 10 players on the pitch, it didn't ever really get that uncomfortable for City. They kind of saw it out quite cleverly. Um, not unlike when they had a red card in the men's game, you know, a week ago. I, I said, I said it on Twitter. Said it's quite interesting how both sides have had a player sent off second half, and you know, actually seemed to play better with ten on the pitch and you know, control the game a little bit more because all they knew is they had to keep the ball. Um, so there's those sort of little interesting things. But um, if this is the tactic for the whole season, then it could be a, a slightly uh, treacherous one. But I don't think, I don't think it will be. 
Um, I think there's too many good players who can do, t- who are too versatile. And, you know, it's City, there's always going to be an injury crisis at some point because that just seems to happen to us every season. So um, I hope it's not, I hope it's not permanent, but um, with Gareth Taylor, you kind of expect that as default and then wait to be surprised. Yeah, I thought it was enjoyable like I found it really in it was one of the most interesting games I watched over the weekend um and I thought to a certain extent it offered a riposte to people who sort of say you know City set up in this 4-3-3 you know exactly what they're going to do in every game because it, it was a different way of approaching it um but I did also have those visions of uh various wingers running through uh, the defence and sort of Alana Kennedy flailing after somebody as she tried to cover the space that had been vacated. Um, I do feel like against Chelsea, the potential risks outweigh the sort of benefits of overloading the midfield just in terms of the players who Chelsea will be willing to keep higher and wider up the pitch um, and who they will sort of back to on a 1v1 basis, uh, compete with the players who are sort of then pushing into to overload certain areas. But it, it will definitely be interesting to see, um, especially also what, for example, it might look like with Bunnyback and how, because part of it was almost like that the fullbacks were, they weren't even just inverting, they were then like sort of pushing up to allow Rod and Castellanos to become the front line. And again, I do think with Bunny Shaw in that front line, it becomes a little bit more fixed, um, which, you know, obviously there's a lot of benefits of having Bunny Shaw there, but maybe she's an easier person in terms of reading what she is going to do. And I think that has a knock-on effect during the team. So obviously there are, we're recording on Wednesday. There are kind of questions about that that we can't really answer. Um, equally, there are going to be selection questions around Chelsea that we're not really going to be able to answer. But we'll take another ad break here and then come back and talk a bit more about how Chelsea and City specifically might match up. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're bored of U.S. streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes you a messier computer, which is obviously great. Don't forget, there is literally no risk with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund, and you can pretend like the entire situation never even happened. You, you know the, the deal here, Chelsea's whole last season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, like the name of the podcast, to get your subscription started today. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. Obviously, then, the last time we went to the Droy Stadium, when it was still the Academy Stadium, it was potentially the high point of the season in terms of, like, Emma Hayes just going full fuck it, hitting the fuck it button. Um, We lost this game 2-0, one of, obviously, only two games we lost in the WSL last season. Philippa Angledal and Lauren Hemp scored two spectacular goals, and Emma Hayes at that point just said hell no, and hauled Sophie Ingle and Lauren James off the pitch after 36 minutes. I still maintain that it felt kind of unnecessary because I honestly don't think we were that bad. Um, I definitely felt like we had opportunities uh, in that game, but it was also between two the two Leon games, so that's why I feel like at that point Hayes was like everything in on the, the Champions League and I don't care and we're already 2-0 down. Um, in terms of this fixture, generally, obviously, we won the, the home match against City uh, last season. The season before that, we beat them in the FA Cup final, but lost in the Conti Cup final. 
Um, and then the season before that, we beat them loads because they were unfortunately quite rubbish. Um, and they had loads of injuries. Um, well, not unfortunately for, unfortunately for City, fortunately for us. Um, but Ollie, I guess this game's kind of interesting from a Gareth Taylor perspective because arguably Gareth Taylor's best moments as a Manchester City manager have come against Chelsea. You obviously have that, that tuna win. You've got the Conti Cup final win and even the FA Cup final loss is a game that, went to extra time and arguably City were probably the better team for big portions of that match. Um, do you think this fixture for Taylor has kind of become his more of his opportunity to to prove himself maybe than than some of the other high profile games? Yeah, almost. Um, I think because, you know, Emma Hayes and Chelsea and the operation they've got there is so brilliant, you know, for, for lack of a better phrase they are just they are the elite of the wsl and one of the elite teams in europe if not world world club football in the women's game you know it's impossible to not want to compare yourselves to them how do we stack up against them constantly season in season out um you know it, it, it's it, i don't think it's unfair to say that chelsea are the team city want to be in the women's game you know they 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 want to match them match their success and be as good as them and try and find their own emma hayes in a way um, you know, a long-term manager who who will who will see a period through. So I can I can almost imagine that being his mindset. If if I can prove myself against Chelsea, then I can do it against anyone. Um, which is not a bad attitude to have, especially if you can back it up with the results, which at times he has done. Um, you know, that two 0 win last season it was one of the high points of our season. We all thought it was a title race back on at that point, and then you go and lose two one to Arsenal the next game, and it all falls apart again. Um, when it looked like a two or three weights, when it looked like a three way title race last season. So it's, it's a chance to land an early blow because, you know, one loss in the WSL is damaging, to, is damaging to title hopes. Um, I think it would be a bigger win for city than it would be for Chelsea because, you know, city, get, city getting a win against Chelsea is a huge thing. Um, the confidence that will bring to uh, still a, quite a young dressing room. You know, there are experienced leads in there, you know, Steph Horton is a model captain. Alex Greenwood is, the legend of of this game, but it's still quite a very young team, a relatively inexperienced team. So, you know, if they can land an early blow, stay towards the very top of the WSL, if not at the top, then that's huge psychologically, as well as, you know, for, for your actual position going forward in the season. Um, but for Gareth Taylor, yeah, you know, if he can if he can land one of those blows and, you know, get it, not a knockout punch because it is only game two, but if he can get that big win, that's huge. Yeah, definitely. Um, Abdullah, let's talk a little bit about how we think Chelsea might line up. Um, there are a couple of questions that have sort of stood out to me that I'm now going to pose to you. Um, the first one, I guess, is whether we'll see Shokanuskan and Sophie Ingle in that sort of double pivot. The love double pivot role that we saw them play against Spurs. Neve Charles at left back is another one. Obviously, Ashley Lawrence and Neve Perisic both floating around. I guess you could throw Marimielda question mark into that mix as well. Basically, there are two fullbacks who I think we both assume would be first choice who started on the bench against Tottenham. And potentially a chance for Frank Kirby to start. The other question mark, I guess, which I didn't write down, but I have now thought of, is Sam Kerr, who Hayes did say would be fit, but I guess maybe I haven't written it down because I still question whether she'd start, given that she played no role at all against Spurs. What are your kind of thoughts about how we'll see Hayes try and set up her team? I think from the outset, I think there will be a couple of changes. I, I think similar to the way we kind of just mentioned that City had a free hit against West Ham. In a weird way, I felt like the lineup at Spurs was maybe a free hit to an extent as well, especially with the fullback choices that there were. They turned out to be successful choices, yes. But I felt like that was a bit more of an experiment from Emma Hayes to see, all right, after my first choice of Ashley Lawrence and Eve Parise, can I rely on two other fullbacks that I have in my team to, 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 to play a WSL game or not. And I, and I felt like they passed those colors as much as I love. And, and, and we, we raved review about Neve Charles at left back uh, in the game. Then I think coming up against like a Mary Fowler on, on that right-hand side, I think will require a little bit more guile, a little bit more uh, positional awareness. And, and, and while I think Neve has that, I think, I mean, I think 
you know, you know, it, the only thing that I think that Neve has going for her on that on that left side is I think she's quicker than the other fullbacks. I think she's the quickest fullback that we have, and if you want to keep up with a Mary Fowler or somebody who's quick herself, Neve Charles can match her pace to pace, if not beat her in a foot race. So I think that is where you would say Neve could start. But I think Emma Hayes would want to go for a little bit of experience there. So I, I so I feel like uh, Ashley Lawrence should be starting at left back um, for her first game because I, I mean I, I I believe after playing a bit of a part similar to the Sam Kerr thing you talked about playing a part in the game against Spurs, coming on getting a good twenty minute cameo, uh, and getting getting some firm fitness in her legs. I think that was probably the audition and kind of the warm up that she needed to get into. Uh, a big game against City and I and I feel like some of the subs or if not all the subs that Emma Hayes made in that Spurs game was maybe in a view to get to get those players to start or play more significant minutes against City and that's what it felt like you see Frank Kirby coming on you see Malini Leupold's coming on you see um, uh, Ashley Lawrence and, 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 and the like they all came on to play a good 15-20 minutes uh, and I feel like those are the ones to start. Frank Kirby starting midfield. I'll just skip to that very quickly. I'll come back to the double pivot. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, she's kind of had a long time off. Obviously, those were her first minutes back into the Chelsea side. But I think of everybody in this Chelsea team, she's probably the freshest player there in terms of energy, in terms of fitness, in terms of everything, right? And if you are going to unleash Frank Kirby, then why not do it against... Uh, you know, do it against City in, in an important game uh, rather than at, against Spurs where, okay, first game of the season, you're, yes, you are at home, but you, know, you don't need to play Frank Kirby. You know, Lauren James did a job at number 10. So um, I do think Frank Kirby will start from more of a personal perspective than anything that Emma Hayes will do tactically. And to kind of go to the double pivot, I think if Aaron Cuspert is fit, and again, I agree with your point of if she's not played a part in the last game, she won't start this game. But if Aaron Cuspert is fit, I'll play her next to uh, Shikhanuskin. I, mean, I think I think that that the way that City have been playing, Castellanos, Dana, uh, Hasegawa, and um, whether Felipe Angadal comes back in this side to add a little bit of steel there is, is a question mark. But I would want to bring in uh, a double pivot that's a bit more mobile and that can track these runs of Joel Ward and Dana because I think that'll probably be the most important thing to track those double tens and I think you need a double pivot who can match that sort of mobility. So if it's me, I'm bringing in Aaron Cusper, but if it's not, if if she's not fit, then I have a sneaky feeling that I think Leupold's will come in next to Shukhanuskin just to add that versatility in there in terms of uh, mobility and uh, yeah, and, and, and up front. I'm not opposed to me official starting. If Sam Kerr's not 100% fit, I'm okay with me official starting. I think that's probably where I where I land on that one. Yeah, I definitely agree with you about sort of the mobility of the midfielders. I think when I was sort of trying to play around on internet tactics boards about how I felt like City would set up versus Chelsea, the importance of tracking those runs from the whether you call them eights or, or tens, um, but but those those midfielders, whether it's Rod, Angledal, Castellanos, whoever is going to be so key because that's, you know, what we know about City and that's, you know, Angle Dahl's obviously where we conceded from last uh, last time out. It was that exact kind of thing, sort of her finding herself in, in space uh, around the box and just able to hit like a really sweet shot. We know they've City have players that, that can do that really, really well. Um, so I think definitely how the midfield gets set up will be a really big thing because I definitely find Sophie Ingle quite static a lot of the time and also interestingly enough I guess that she was one of the players who was hooked uh, last time out which maybe tells you that Hayes feels that actually felt that way as well once the game was kind of playing out. Ollie when you look at the City team and you look at Chelsea and sort of the way Chelsea are setting up right now obviously I understand it's kind of hard to judge after like one game of the season um, but where do you think the areas that City can kind of get the upper hand? Well, for, for me, my starting point is always our front three. Um, I think even if it's the same where you've got Mary Fowler and Lauren Hemp interchanging or kind of playing almost together and letting a fullback do the work on one flank, it's fine. But for me, Chloe Kelly is my favourite player in the women's game. I love watching her. She's an absolute agent of chaos. You know, whether you're asking her to stay wide and get chalk on her boots or whether you're asking her to come in and, you know, deliver a spectacular shot or put a cross in. She's very, very capable of doing that and just getting on a full back's nerves. So I think, you know, you're looking at the wide areas. 
Um, I agree midfield, you know, especially with the rebuilds that he went through. That's always a point to watch how uh, Gareth Taylor wants to set it up. Obviously, last year he settled on Laura Coombs coming in a lot more and she contributed massively, got herself back in the England squad. I think it wouldn't be a surprise um, to see her come back in quite quickly because um, I think Dana Castellanos, I love I love watching her, but, you know, we've seen a little bit of inconsistency at the time last season. I don't really want to say too much about the West Ham game because it's different circumstances, obviously, especially with the sending off. Um, but if it was the same team that came out apart from, you know, either Casper I or Morgan coming in in one of the fullback slots, I wouldn't really mind. Um, and especially and Ellie Robert coming back as well. Uh, I, th- I think if it's Keating playing again, that could be a real source of weakness getting on a, you know, kind of, knowing how to get past a younger goalkeeper. You know, Chelsea have so much experience up front. Um, even if, you know, Frank Kirby doesn't start the game, even if Sam Kerr doesn't start the game, I should say, um, you know, there's so much experience in that Chelsea side. They just know how to win these games. They know how to win big games. They're not they're not scared. They're not pressured. Um, and so, yeah, I look, I look mostly at City's attacking midfield, looking out wide and how that stack up defensively because Chelsea are just ridiculously good defensively. Um, you know, they're one of those teams that you see the team sheet come out, whoever's playing, and you just go, oh, how are we going to get past them today? How are we going how do teams how do teams break this down? Because there's such strength there. But I do see some similarities in our defense. You know, M- M- Millie Bright and Jess Carter it kind of stacks it quite nicely against Steph Horton and Alex Greenwood, or less so on Lana Kennedy over Steph. But you know, if if it's Kennedy and again, I'm not too disheartened by that. But uh, yeah. Um, but I do hope Bonnie Shaw is back for this because one, she's just so enjoyable to watch, but two, she's such a goal threat. And I think against a more experienced defence like Chelsea have, you need someone who knows how to find goals, knows, knows how to find space. And if she gets marked out the game, you know, whether with two players on her, then you're creating space for a Lauren Hemp or a Mary Fowler or a Chloe Kelly, or even one of the two tens to run into and, you know, score a goal like Angledal did last season. I think there could be those opportunities that will be there if Bunny Shaw plays. Um, but if it's, you know, this kind of narrow front two and, you know, f- not putting everything through the middle, then it could become a bit more difficult for City. Yeah, I I would agree. I think from a Chelsea perspective, I would feel a lot more concerned going into this game if, if Bunny was playing, um, which is now going to be like the most ridiculous jinx in the world. But um, like we know that Lauren Hemp said before that Jax Carter is like one of the hardest defenders she plays up against obviously Carter and Bright know Hemp very well and vice versa uh, and Kelly very well from from playing with them at England um but i do feel like Bunny Shaw obviously just has sort of that real physicality that means that you can't she she drags players even if you're ignoring just her goal scoring or like her creating like she makes defenders think and move as a result because they're scared of her. It's the same kind of thing as as Sam Kerr. Um, and then we know that City have got the players who could make the most of those opportunities when the gaps open up, whether that is the eights or the wider players. Um, Abdullah, I guess same kind of question for you, but the other way round. I feel like my hunch is that Chelsea exploit City by in the space behind the fullbacks inverting because I feel like even if they're not both inverting in this game, one will be. Um, I'd be surprised if they if they weren't. Um, is that really like the key here? Do you think maybe like Chelsea taking a bit of a risk? We've obviously seen in that Spurs game, we're playing the like crooked back four. So in the Spurs game, Neve was pushed up really high. Do you think that's sort of maybe the area whereby if Chelsea take that risk, having a fullback a bit higher up the pitch, whoever it is, to really make the most of that space that might come if suddenly, you know, a, a fullback's moved in or like the whole of the, the rest of the city's back line has had to sort of shift out position as a result. Yeah, I yeah, and I think I think that's where the whole Neve Charles at left back, does she start not start, I think comes into play because and obviously not to forget Neve can play at right back as well. So it's not even uh it's not even we don't even know which side she's gonna start. I think if Chelsea want to do that and knowing that at least one fullback will invert more than the other, because let's assume for one second, it's Lyre moves out to left back and it's Esme Morgan coming in at right back. You would more likely hit hinge your bets that it'll be Lyre coming on the inside, playing in a double pivot, 
So that means you kind of have the that right that right flank free, which you know, I Eve Paris is great. But is this a game maybe you want to play Neve Charles at right back or you move Ashley Lawrence to right back and play Neve Charles at left back and you kind of do that where you have that bit of balance going? Because I feel like on one of the fullback sides, Chelsea need a fullback that's that's more a bit more attack-minded um, and really good in the final third. And, and again, I think Neve Charles ticks that box in terms of being the best of the final third attacking players. Whereas I feel like Eve and Ashley are more balanced in, in both areas. Um, but then I also think this is this influences the um, the winger conversation here. Obviously, JRK started at right wing alongside uh, Guru in in the game against Spurs. In a weird way, this would have been this would also be a great game for JR, for Johanna Ritz and Kanere to play, just because if she can get that space in behind Laya on the right hand side, you've got the perfect player there with the pace to be able to push back against uh, someone that wants to invert inside and force City to kind of move across and and cover the area, which again opens up space on the left-hand side. Um, and 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 maybe that opens up a space for Fran Kirby or Lauren James, whoever's going to be playing there, to be able to exploit those spaces in between. Because as good as Lauren James is in those tight quarters and those small spaces, I think City are going to make it even more difficult and going to press even more in those areas. So the question is, can, does she have enough space to operate in that number 10 or in that, in that central area? So um, it's... It's weird. I don't think this will happen because Emma Hayes, I think Emma Hayes loves Lauren James too much. But if I'm thinking about it for one second and going for this like wild theory, I would not be opposed to seeing Johanna Ritz and Kanarit, Frank Kirby and Guru as your as your midfield three. And I mean, across behind me official, because I think tactically they'll give you this, they'll give you the, the space on the wings, they'll be able to run in behind the fullbacks, play those wide, you know, balls into the box. And we've seen the aerial threat that uh, Mia Fischl's already been able to give us at, as fully fair and her back-to-goal play to be able to control the two centre-backs. And then when you've got the double pivot in there, I wouldn't be too averse, that sort of thing. And maybe you have Ashley Lawrence and Neve Charles as your two fullbacks and, and you kind of play from there. So it's a little bit of a way-out different team. And... Normally, you'd be saying yes. You're you're pandering towards the opposition tactics, and you gotta be you gotta be uh, comfortable in your own plan. But I feel like this is still being comfortable in your own plan. But you're just using the strengths available to you and the different players to expose what the opposition is going to be weak at anyway. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I think so early in the season, it's also very hard to you know like. I, I hear what you're saying, Abdullah, and I think I'd agree just based on theory, but it's very hard when you're like, we don't really know that much about City. Okay, maybe because it's Taylor, you can assume that things aren't going to like change wildly. But, you know, there are these little tweaks, even things like not knowing if Bunny's starting, having Layla suddenly be unavailable. You know, like maybe if Layla doesn't get the red card, I go into this game thinking, well, they're probably going to set up exactly like they did at West Ham, potentially... Castellanos swaps out for for a different kind of midfielder but I think that's the kind of like thing where you're like immediately well they're probably not going to have both fullbacks inverting given who else they have available from the bench and then suddenly you're like ah <laughs> so so what do you do and and you know maybe I guess this is also what was so bizarre about the the this fixture last year was just this feeling of Emma Hayes just like ripping her plan up but like Obviously, at that point in time, it was more to be like, I'm just going to focus everything on Leon. Like, I feel like this game is gone. But maybe actually this is a game where those in-game adjustments, who the teams can bring off the bench, how they can affect or change the game might um, become even more important. Just before we finish off, I want to talk about the other big game that is happening over the weekend. Uh, Manchester United are hosting... Arsenal on Friday night. Obviously, Arsenal lost their first game. Manchester United got the win in the end, but it was a bit of a nervy one for them. They required that stoppage time winner from Rachel Williams, despite the fact they were a player up over Villa. Ollie, how do you see this one going and what sort of impact do you think this result could have on the rest of the season, I guess? 
I, th- I think it has all the ingredients of a great game, this one. Um, you know, they're two teams who were predicted to be probably the, the pick of the bunch behind Chelsea uh, this coming this season. And, you know, they both got off to struggling starts. Obviously, you know, United got the win in the end, but it's, yeah, you, I, I just think there's going to be a bit more steel in this game, especially with the Alessia Russo transfer um, in the background. There's, there's a little bit of an edge there that could just deliver something. And she's gonna and she's gonna want to impress as well. She's gonna want to prove that she made the right move, um, especially after going out of the Champions League so early uh, with Arsenal. It's it's I think it could be really interesting. Um, I would I would back Arsenal because I still just think that they have that touch more experience. They just they know how to win these bigger games. They've been doing it for a lot longer. There's more of a record there, and you know, if, and if Russo does get firing then, you know, it's it's game over for anyone facing her, really. But Man United are very good at sneak, at sneaking wins, just dig it, digging it out. And I think that's how they kind of did go through their season last year, was finding ways to win when you wouldn't necessarily expect them to. And I think that's what, what has been impressive about them. But yeah, I, ju- I think I'd just make Arsenal favourites at this moment in time, but it wouldn't be by much. Yeah, my statistician head says... They can't keep pulling out last-minute wins, but they do seem to manage to do it, United. Uh, Abdullah, what do you think? Obviously, United did beat Arsenal home and away last year. I do kind of agree with Ollie that I might make Arsenal slight favourites just because I think they will already feel like this is a must-win game. Just because you saw even last year what happened to City when they lost their opening two matches and everyone was like... It's over. And it wasn't actually over, really. But it shows how quickly you can sort of be written off in the league. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think from a, from a mentality and maybe a fermented perspective, it puts a bit of a doubt into that PSG game that they have to go in, they have to go and play and, and try and qualify for the Champions League because they can beat Arsenal. That could be, you know, that could be the start of the season that they need. They beat they beat Arsenal, you know, contenders for the league. They go into a PSG game as maybe with a little bit more confidence. If they can use that momentum and beat PSG, suddenly you go into the season, you know, in a couple of weeks, and you're like, United have just come through, uh, you know, and and beaten Arsenal and Paris Saint Germain over two legs. They're in the Champions League. They they're in the top three. You know, and you move along, and you have that momentum growing and building, and then suddenly, you know, you're you're hyped up. But you lose that one game, suddenly the hype changes. Players' heads might start turning. You don't have that extra push in in in, in a big game to qualify for the Champions League. You know, and, and players start to start start making some noises. So, I think it becomes important. I agree. I think just because of the pressure, I think I think I would just generally and the experience, I would just give Arsenal that slight that slight edge and. Um, Arsenal have strengthened decently well over the summer. Um, obviously, Cody Cross was the latest addition that side, who I think is a, is a, is a, is a very very good player. Um, but there's something about this United side. I mean, I mean, we've also talked about um, United at times lacking the tactical cohesion uh, and and looking a little bit predictable. But you know, compared to City, I'll, I'll maybe give Mark Skinner this slight edge in terms of giving some sort of unpredictability in in his tactical. Uh, now, and um, I was I was listening to a podcast this week about what how, is your t- is your team a better team when you lose your star player, right? And obviously, having lost Alessia Russo, do United you know do United look like a better, more balanced side without this without this one focal point up? Then you kind of have everything spread. So I think this game could be a very good uh, uh, answer to that question. So. I'll, I'll give it to Arsenal, but I'm not counting United out because I I really do like their team and I th- I think JC is, is is a fantastic signing up front who I think will score a ton of goals. So I think I'd I'd, I'd watch out for them. Yeah, I think that it's going to be really interesting. I don't know if I agree that Skinner Skinner's more tactically very a little bit. Gareth like I'm just like that, I'm but... like it's it's like it's like giving you like a point two five edge over the other guy. Not neither All are right. great, but like I'm just like slight edge over like you know I, if I had to pick he's one, he's been forced to be more different this yeah. season because everyone, well, not everyone. Well, I mean, lots of people left. United, obviously, two really big players left United, and that has made them a bit more unpredictable, I think, as a result right now. Um, but he does fall into my Gareth Taylor. You kind of play the same way every time camp. Uh, let's just finish off then quickly, Ollie. 
give us a prediction. I don't necessarily need a score, but where do you see City Chelsea going? City win, draw, or Chelsea win? Both my bias and, you know, you just kind of slight opportunities. I'm just going to say a City win, a tight City win, you know, no more than 2-1 two, two, at best. I think I think, I think it's both, te- both teams are going to get a goal. 1-1 one, one half-time, 2-1 second half. Um you know, whether if Bunny if Bunny Shaw's available in some capacity, she's gonna get something in this game, I think, just out of pure goal scoring now. But um I don't back City to the hilt to get a clean sheet here though. It's kind of gonna be bonkers, I think, when like Kerr and Bunny both come off the bench <laughs> sort of at sixty-five minutes. It's gonna be real, like, you know, greatest striker fight. Abdullah, what do you think? I think I called the last game two one and it ended up being two one. I, I, I think I agree. I I'm gonna go with a Chelsea win. Obviously, uh, I genuinely do think that I think Chelsea are the more the better side, more momentum. I think everything is there for them. Settled squad, everything else, and and the players have looked good. And there's still some big players to come back. I'm gonna go two one Chelsea because I agree. I don't see a clean sheet in this game whatsoever. Um, and I'm gonna give the goals to just because I we can. I'm gonna go. Girl right in left half space, edge of the box, 30-yard screamer, top right, top ends, right there. We're going to go very specific on this. this very specific. <laughs> and what's the expected goals on that shot, Abdullah? Uh, 0.16. <laughs> right, okay. And then uh, I'll give the second goal, set piece, Millie Bright coming in at like the 75th minute, coming up front, Millie Bright header. And uh, we go ahead and win it. And I'll give Dana the goal for City. And maybe an early, within the first 15 minutes, I think City go ahead with the Dana goal. Maybe a penalty even. Well, guys, I don't know <laughs> if there's any point watching the match after we've just had that visual explanation of what's going to happen. Um, I will finish the set and say I think it will be a draw. I feel like both teams will feel like they're not ready to put everything on the line yet in this game when we're so early in the season. I think there might come a point where... Both teams think they don't want to risk losing it. Uh, but obviously, we will see. Personally, 12.30 kickoffs always make me nervous as well, so I'm not feeling great about that. But Ollie, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, if anybody wants to find you on the internet in the nicest way possible, I don't necessarily know why they would, <laughs> um, but but please let, let everyone know. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, you can find what I do at Ollie McCool on Twitter. Um, I just tweet the most most rubbish sometimes. But um, if you want to find out more about Manchester City and what how, what we're doing, uh, at City Report Pod is where I can be found most weeks chatting similar rubbish. Um, so, But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great. Really, really appreciate you joining us. Abdullah and I will be back, obviously, after the City game to review it and see if Abdullah's vision came true. Until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.